Hey gang, today we're watching Steel. Um, the summary, the lamest summary I could find goes like this. Former army scientists Shaquille O'Neal, Annabeth Gish, uh, one in a steel suit, team up in Los Angeles against another, Judd Nelson, who turned bad. Steal yourselves. We're recording. Okay. Steel. Um, Steel. Yeah, this was. Oh, hey, hey, guys. Hello, it's uh, it's your two hosts that you love, Matt and Kendra. Do you love us? Do you think they love us? You just be the change you want to see in the world. Oh, that's. I mean, that's very inspirational and very nice. I don't assume that anyone is listening at all. No, but, let's keep it that way. I mean, we did. I will say, we started talking about the movie and then realized we had not taken the microphones out. No, <laughs> we're so revved up to talk about steel. We um. This movie is. <clears throat> ooh, sorry uh, about that. This movie is. To me, it's the. It's just like the definition of mediocre. Yeah, I mean, it's um. It is a movie. It it is a movie. It was a film that was made. Yeah, in 1997, I kind of. In 1997. It's our second 1997 movie, I think. Space Jam um, was also 97, so... Is that right? This came. No, sorry. Out. Space Jam was 96. So yeah. this came out a year after Space Jam. Um, and it stars one Shaquille O'Neal. Um, and it is Shaquille O'Neal's not first movie... But um, actually, it might be his first movie. He did two kids' movies in the 90s. One... This one, Steel, though I guess, having now seen this again, was this a children's movie? Yeah, a question we can discuss. That's a huge question that I had while I was, while I was watching it. Like, but, more so, but Kazam before that, right? I, yeah, I don't know. If, oh yeah, Kazam came first, and then came Steel. Then came Freddy Got Fingered. Um, he was in Freddy Got Fingered? He was apparent. well, he was credited as Shaquille. Oh, okay. So I believe he was probably playing himself. Um, but yeah, point being, so he... Shaq thought he was an actor. I don't think... Do you think Shaq thought he was an actor, or do you think Twas the season to cast kind of charismatic, charming athlete, basketball players specifically? Well, you're using words there that do not apply to Shaq. I disagree. Really? I, I, watched, I watched all these clips of Shaq, like, because I'm... I think I've... I think this has been revealed in previous episodes. I am not really well versed in sports, and I don't know a lot about anything going on. Mm-hmm. But I thought Shaq was like a. I thought people thought Shaq was he was huge. You, I mean, and are you talking personality or just Both. sheer shot size? I mean, he's yeah, yeah. physically. What is he? Seven six. Yeah, I mean, there's a point in this movie. In, he's a in, monster. He's yeah, monstrous. There's a point large. in Steel where they put him in a lineup, and he's just in a police <laughs> lineup, and he's just. Clearly a visual gag, and he's just, like, towering above everyone. Which I think still tracks with the fictional character Steel. Like, he... Yeah, he's supposed to be a big man. Because he's not... He doesn't have any superhuman abilities. He's still supposed to be kind of, like, a really, like, just a huge dude. Yeah. But, I mean, just back to putting, um... To putting Shaq in context. I, I... wasn't he kind of like, didn't the media kind of like him though? And like his like sort of post-game interviews were kind of always looked forward to because he was like cheeky. 
He was like would make jokes and like was kind of like off the cuff a lot more and stuff like that and kind of not good with words in a charming way. Based on his current, like he, I think he currently does commercials for like Icy Hot. That's the, and until I watched this movie again and did my <laughs> did my research, Icy Hot was just the thing that I thought of. Right, but I I mean he's like funny in those commercials, like his little shoulder roll. You know the gif where he's doing the shoulder roll yeah. and then like other people start doing the shoulder roll. So. He's certainly funny, and I remember seeing him on some show during when we were would have been in college, where I think he was trying to be um, a sheriff. On a show? Yeah, like I think it was like an AMC or a True TV, like one of the some reality show where Shaq was trying to be a sheriff in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for real though, or yeah, I think for real. Like I think he actually at one point got his sheriffing license. I don't. Sorry, I'm going to call it a sheriffing sheriff. license. <laughs> sheriffing license um but yeah like he so i i think he's always been like a media figure but i have to admit that unlike when we watched space jam and i like could really hyper focus on like very specific things about michael jordan that i remember Mm -hmm. from this period in the 90s Shaq is a less is a lesser figure for me like i i guess maybe it's he played for the magic and like i guess that just wasn't a thing for me like my parent my dad is from Chicago and we lived here in New Jersey so I was in I, the Knicks and the Bulls were on my radar and then of course right. like everyone knew Kobe Bryant because he became such a, a phenom in the early aughts late 90s yes and so I knew about him but somehow Shaq just kind of passed me by and maybe it's because he didn't make very good movies so I didn't have some a place to access him from because I was not a basketball fan yeah I was kind of bummed out because like I think Shaq actually has more of a personality than Michael Jordan. That I, is fair. Like, I'll believe you. Yeah. Like, I think Jordan is such a... He, he, he Physically, on the court, he's, like, kind of a, like, savant. But, like, I, I, I would... There doesn't seem well, Jordan, to be as much there. Jordan worked so hard to keep, like, his... Like, the facade of respectability, I think. Even mm. though we all knew that, like... He loved to gamble. He was constantly cheating on his wife. Like, <laughs> right, I, right. we all knew that, but I think there was really was, like, a facade of, like, respectability. I'm here to play the game and, right. le- you know, lead my team to victory or whatever. Um, but co- counter to Jordan's, like, tight control of his image for yeah. at least a while, Shaq was, like, Shaq would do these post-game interviews and just be like, yeah, I'm just glad I fucking won. And he would just, <laughs> like, and they're like, Shaq, you're on air. And, like, he he would... He did this, like, Yo Mama joke to an interviewer one time that was really funny. Oh, I don't know about this. Where he was, like, laying down because his, like, knees hurt or he was tired. And they're like, are you going to do the whole interview laying down? And he's like, I will if your mom was there. And then he's like, oh. (laughs) Is this going to be a new thing for you to do interviews laying down like that? Only if your mother's next to me. (laughs) And there's, like, Shaq being savage compilations on YouTube and stuff. So I think, like, he kind of, like, had more of a... More of definitely more of a personality. Okay, that's interesting because again, like I'm, I'm trying to think of basketball like personalities from back then, and really the only, I mean, the clear number one that comes to mind is Rodman. Rodman, yeah. Like, I, I didn't Rodman get a Rodman. goddamn movie. He should have been in The Mask or something. Like he should have been. How did Rodman not end up in Space Jam? Yeah. What the I, he- was he already? Maybe we were. I mean, I. He was obviously like. Were we uncom- I don't remember also like how we felt about his cross-dressing. I don't remember what the cultural reaction to that was. I feel like for people who like like for instance, I'm not trying to implicate my dad in anything. I think he, <laughs> he loved obviously like like everybody he loved the Bulls back in the mid 90s, but like um yeah, I think Rodman kind of like 
rubbed people the wrong way, like basketball fans for the most part. Okay, I mean, I'll totally believe that. I mean, he was a you know, an intimidating looking black man who refused to like play by the rules of masculinity. So I totally get that. Yeah, it ruled kind of. Yeah, it was yeah. awesome. <laughs> um, but then he's also going to like North Korea. Yeah, now it's bad. <laughs> now it's all bad. <laughs> so if he's an ambassador, now I'm nervous. Right. <laughs> Remember when he really thought he was like an ambassador to North Korea? He thought he was doing the work. <laughs> work for the state, the betterment <laughs> of the country. Like what a yeah. Though I kind of I'm sorry, not to, we'll stop this in a second, but I really do, now that I'm thinking about it, like, wonder, like, what really is in this fraught time when, when Donald Trump is continuously, like, antagonizing North Korea, Mm -hmm. what is Dennis Rodman's current relationship with Kim Jong-un? Uh, placator, diffusion. I want to know if, like, they're still friends. Like, I, I'm, I genuinely have that question. Yeah, I don't know. What if Rodman's just like, yeah, man, he sucks. You should blow him up or something. That would be terrible for us because I totally believe that Un would take that, like, you know, oh my seriously. God. I just, yeah, like I said, I don't know if I entirely trust Dennis Rodman with, with <laughs> the intricacies <laughs> of international statecraft. It's kind of like how, and again, we're going to stop soon, I swear, but that is just kind of like how Jared Kushner, did you see that report today where he's currently in charge of peace in the Middle East the heroin addiction in <laughs> Appalachia, um, I believe trade deals with China, no, trade deals with everyone, and our relationship with NATO, maybe? Like, he has a list that would overwhelm, like, the be- like Hillary, like, Ma- like, Madeleine Albright. Like, he has a mm. list that would overwhelm the best of people. You know who would stay, keep their steely reserve in the face okay, of that stuff? Okay, Matt wants to talk about steel. Segway. <laughs> Uh, is Shaquille O'Neal yeah. um, playing the very subtly named John Henry Irons. Very, it's very subtle. Um, Do you get it? Yeah, I mean, just a short a, a short catch-up for those of you who might not be familiar with American and African-American folklore. He is, John Henry Irons is the steel driver who uh, basically in West Virginia, I believe it was, attempted to, the lore says, he attempted to beat a mechanical uh, steel driving machine that hammered the nails into the train tracks. Yes, he and, beat a steam locomotive. Yes, and he basically worked himself into exhaustion doing that, but he won, but he also died. So, kind yeah. of sad. So, it kind of just proved that the machine was still better, then, also. Y- he yeah. died on a principle. Anyway, it's a sad tale. <laughs> I mean, like... I guess at the time, pseudo points for drawing from African folklore. Oh yeah, no, I guess no, that's it's American fine. folklore. I don't know if it's actually. It's a, a thing. I, can, I consider it Americana. Like yeah. it's not. It's not like it comes from um, Uncle Remus or anything. Yeah, it's not like concocted by it. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I don't know where that myth actually originates, but the two white creators, as we just discovered. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Louise Simonson and John Bogdanove. Bogdanov. Yeah. I don't know how to say it. And can we just note that this, the latter of the two, John Bog... <laughs> John Bog... Jog, John Bogdanovich. I'm not going to try it. But he, um, <laughs> I happened to spot... <laughs> I happened to spot that he named his his child Kalel. So that name in full is Kalel Bogdanovich. <laughs> <laughs> and to me, that's just... 
the worst of the geek names. I don't know what it is, but for me, Kal-El is just the worst. Like, name your child, like, James T. Kirk, which I probably will. Sure. Name your child Hermione. Name your child Luke Skywalker. For some reason, Kal-El is the worst of them. <laughs> I don't know why. Well, um, it's, well, it, it, it speaks to uh, John, the creator, and Louise's, like, extreme superhero, or, like, Superman Fan, yes. fanboy and girl nature because totally. they, they wrote a the, character to take over for superman right should we yeah because i would let you go into there's the original origin of steel and then there's what this movie does i'm not we're not going to dwell i don't i don't want to dwell that much on the canonical steel totally. and his like weird weaving into the like dc universe but like it might be good to say his his original origin story yeah so basically steel um in in 1992 superman dies he's killed by doomsday i only know this because my dad was still a comic book collector at that point and he bought i believe six issues of the death of superman and this was before i think everyone had realized that now comic book companies were just printing millions of issues Yes, so owning the, the speculation crate bubble was starting to like come right. to a head. So owning like six issues of Death of Superman has done nothing for me financially. I still have student loan debt. Um, and also, it's one of those event pushes that they kept doing as well. Right, and I, yeah, and so this was this was ninety two. So I get, was this must have been like kind of the beginning of event pushes, really. Yeah. The, well, I was, I had read that I had well maybe the, I had read that uh Marvel that sort of like oh Marvel Secret Com- Wars. No, 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 no. Uh, the um the sort of like tell all insider sort of documentation of Marvel's mm-hmm. rise, and they had been doing it for a while. Okay, okay. Well, anyway, so um, Steel John Henry comes out of Death of Superman. He's basically a character who is a um, a weapons manufacturer and developer. He's supposed to be super smart. Um, almost actually kind of like a Tony Stark ish character, which we can get into he's later. Like, he's essentially he is three character. To my mind, he is three different just an amalgamation of three different characters. One, Tony Stark from the Marvel Universe, and right. two DC characters. Yeah. So um, he's a weapons developer, and he leaves his job for moral reasons and ends up as a construction worker. He's working on a building in Metropolis, and he falls off of it. Superman saves him. This is obviously before the death of Superman. Uh, <laughs> saves Well, because Superman comes back, so let's, you know, let's keep our timelines right. aligned. Um Superman saves him. John says to him, how can I show you gratitude? He says, live a full life or something. No, he says, live a life worth saving. Live a life worth saving. Thank you. And so um, John eventually goes back to his, it's labeled only as inner city. <laughs> and um, notes. Well, no, he, hmm? he goes to Metropolis. Right. Okay. But he goes to inner city Metropolis. Inner city. Sorry. Inner <laughs> city. Gang ridden inner city Metropolis. Because, you know, where there are black people. There are gang-ridden there is, a, there is one storyline to be had with superheroes. Oh my god, like the early 90s. And we can, again. Yeah, keep going. Um. So, yes. He wants to do something to help the inner city uh, overcome its gang problem, and so he basically creates this iron suit. He's another character, like, similarly to Tony Stark, who doesn't have... Um, powers. Uh, yeah, sci-fi superpowers. He just has his intelligence and his gadgets. So he then, once Superman dies, becomes one of the four Supermen in the Reign of Superman arc, which is a whole other comic arc that we don't have to get into. But that's just to give you an idea of um, where this character comes from before we get into this 97 movie version, which is not necessarily different. Like, there are some similarities, but just 
goofy. I think that's, like, the best. It's a little goofy. Well, I think, like, what's funny about that is, is as we alluded to, I think, earlier, this, this, this really, like, flits in and out of being maybe a kind of harder PG-13, like, non-children-oriented movie, because, um... I believe that the uh, Kenneth Johnson, I think, was a screenwriter, um, and he didn't like. He thought superheroes were like kids' stuff, mm. and uh, so he he a- he axed the cape. Like he didn't want the cape to be part of Steele's outfit, okay. and he kind of didn't agree to do it until he was allowed to rewrite it without. This is in conjunction with the fact that I think Steele was supposed to actually be the original Man of Steel, Death of Superman movie series. Which okay. languished in like a kind of development hell, and they went ahead and made this movie instead because they couldn't get the Superman property off the ground. Is that the one that Kevin Smith was supposed to be writing, starring Nick Cage? Where the that one weird producer wanted a giant spider to be in it? Guys, if you haven't watched <laughs> that story, I understand that Kevin Smith is no longer cool, and I completely agree, hasn't made a good movie in years. However, if you just YouTube uh, Kevin Smith Wild Wild West Spider, yeah. you're going to find something amazing. I haven't done the research. I will just hazard a guess and say probably. Yeah, that's not, it's a, the right timeline, or it's around it the right time. Yeah, it and basically there was a Superman movie that where Nick Cage was supposed to play Superman, and I think if you Google pick like you can you find can pictures of Nick in the outfit. Yeah, and this also like I think because this, I think this languished for a couple years. I think the reintroduction of Steel as a solo character in the DC universe also happened in '94. Okay, um, so it just kind of like all mixed together. Plus. Like you said, I think we had Space Jam the year previous, and like it was just like one of those a things. Fertile, kind of a fertile time, and then so this Kenneth Johnson guy, like the movie that it seems like he, it seems like he maybe thought he was making a movie in the aesthetic that Zack Snyder has been making movies. Well, according to Wikipedia, he quote said it was blue collar Batman. Not so much, but I get where he I was disagree, going. I disagree, but I understand. And also, right. they had an extremely limited amount of time with Shaq. <laughs> because <laughs> as, as the talent. Because he, he was, like, prepping for the 96 Olympics or something. Oh, shit. That, yeah, that sounds right. Dream Team. Yeah, so he was... Michael on, called. Yeah. Shit, so Michael shot his movie... <laughs> yeah, prob- before. Michael had the foresight, which lines up with the approximate, like, intelligence Earning that I think... intelligence that they both had. <laughs> right. So... I mean, Shaq... Can we just say Shaq is famously dumb? I think that's fair. And is I that like it, a... I don't... I, with all due respect, Shaq right. was, like, famously stupid. Kind of like, um... Uh, kind of like, uh, like, the great Bambino or whatever. Like, <laughs> right? What is his actual name? <laughs> Yo, you mean... Oh, Yogi... Wait, is it Yogi... No, I don't think Yogi Berra was... If there's a fork in the road, take it. Who's the idiot who said that? He's a baseball player. Oh, that might have been Yogi Berra. Anyway... He has all those quotes attributed to him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. the other, like, person with stupid quotes attributed to him. Yeah. But it's like, people loved it. Right. No, I... Yeah, I like, I I don't want to... I just... He... He's not... He's not... You know what? Sorry. It's okay. He's not in this era where we have players... Like, uh, like LeBron, you have that. Oh my God, I can't remember his name on the Seahawks now. The court, um, Russell, Russell Wilson. Russell, you have no, not Russell Wilson. The the one with the dreads. I cannot think of his name. 
It's okay. He's very attractive. He, he went is. to Stanford. Yeah. Um, but, like, you have all these athletes who, like, and you have, like, or people like Serena Williams who, like, have intelligent things to say. And even if they don't have intelligent things to say, like, they they are media trained. Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman, yes. So, oh, my God. I'm mad that I forgot that. It's okay. He's the cornerback, not the quarter. Do you see how much Matt and I know about <laughs> It's really, it's a struggle session when we have to talk primarily, or even at all, a little bit about yeah. sports. Like, if it's baseball, like, I can mostly do it but only current baseball (laughs) anyway so yeah like but my point being like all these athletes are now like really media trained in a way that um it wasn't really common in the 90s i mean you even see it now with um you even saw it back then with like people like tanya harding like totally unmedia trained aside from the fact that she banged nancy she broke nancy kerrigan's leg banged is a different word yeah yeah but yeah so i think it, it, it is fair to say Maybe not that Shaq was dumb, but untrained to speak in front of people. Right. It's just weird. Like, the weird twisted irony is that, like, I think that's what created a sort of baked-in charm in terms of, like, inadvertent PR that led to his consideration for the role. That's, yeah. So, I I mean, like, who knows, you know? Mm -hmm. like I mean, I would love to sit down with the people who cast this movie and just be like, what was your thought process, motivation, where were you going with this? Yeah. So the screenwriter, the screenwriter essentially, like, he, he, he just, because they needed a quick fix for the lack of Superman's involvement now, suddenly, in what was this character's canonical origin story, um, I, I get the feeling, based on how poorly this movie's written, that they, like, they just did a real hack job with it. They, like, they just, like, they fucking chopped the limbs off of this thing and just were like, alright, cool, blah blah blah. Cause like, um, this movie, this movie's setup of its primary conflict and main characters is so, it's, it's a, it's a longer movie than you want it to be. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's 93 minutes, but it feels... It's drag yeah. ass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. And, but like, so it's longer than you want it to be. But it still managed to to be, like, totally disorienting in terms of, like, I had trouble sussing out, like, motivations or, or and things definitely were not earned, like... No, no, no. I mean, there are... Like, his, his, his military training baffled me the right. first go-round, because I was like, he hates making weapons, he's a pacifist, by all accounts that I can tell, they didn't set up anything, they just showed him shooting a pulse rifle and then going... I don't want to hurt anybody. And it's like, what the fuck are you doing there? I mean, not to go back to, not to go back to Iron Man, but I had this problem also with the recent, the Iron Fist series on Netflix, where the, you have to, in a show like this, or in a movie, you have to like, show them earning, like, if you're going to say that this guy is a weapons expert, and he's like, supposed to be super smart, I need to see him like, doing the super smart thing more than just pushing a button. Because that's essentially all he did. He pushed a button. Whereas like, with Tony, who was in the same setup, by the way, like, in a desert in Iron Man 1. Yeah. And like, basically having to build weapons to get himself out of his entrapment. Like, you see him, you see the fact that he's smart. 
We're not just, like, told, because he's having to build something and, like, get out of a situation. That it's doesn't... not a fair comparison, though. Like, I, I, like <laughs> someone talented wrote that screenplay for... T- Tony Stark is a well-drawn character. He, he's also one of the best Marvel characters I- I- that exists. Steel is Shaquille O'Neal. But I think... Here's the thing. I don't think the character of Steel has to be a bad one. Like, no, of course not. Yeah. There's... Here, guys, screenwriters, listen. My total... This will... I'll blow your minds. There's no such thing as a bad idea... There's just the relative difficulty and the amount of talent you have to have to make it good as a product. Yeah. That's sort of my working theory. Okay. And, yeah, and I mean, the people who wrote this movie clearly were not up to the challenge of fitting an origin story and then a A plot and B plot into a 90-minute movie. Right. Here's what they cram into the intro. Well, do you like before we go on to the plot? Because I oh, think we sure. should. I think we should take a break before we get into the the plot. Because we spent like a lot of time just setting up Shaq. We're, we're <laughs> as one of my favorite podcasters, Sean Hayes, or uh, sorry, fuck, Sean Davenport. No, fuck. I don't His even know. His name's Sean Clements. I feel bad. Sorry, Mike. I know. Oh you dear. Care. Listen, Sean Clements. He okay. calls it front porching, uh-huh. where you just set the stage up for a long time yeah. before you dive we, into the. We pulled thing. a Rachel Maddow, I think. I think we really do. Oh, you don't watch Rachel Maddow? Hmm. Oh, she whatever. does that thing where she like she really just sets I mean, up I the story. If I'm like Rachel Maddow, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. Yeah. No, I just yeah. I think we should. We'll take a quick break, and then when we come back, we'll really get a little bit deeper into the into the plot of Steel. Now that you know where he's come from, uh, you know Shaq. And... and also Judd Nelson's in the movie. Oh, surprise! He's uh he's the villain. Awesome. And he was in the Breakfast Club. And he doesn't look like that anymore. Sure doesn't. We'll be right back. Hey guys, surprise! We have a few more people listening to this than we expected we would. Um, so it would be great if some of you guys who are subscribed and who are downloading every week would rate and review us on iTunes. That helps us uh, move up in the whatever the hell algorithm they use and it just makes us feel good so uh please do that rate and review on itunes and also you can contact us uh with questions comments concerns corrections anything really uh you can email it email us at kidstablepod at gmail.com or you can tweet at us on Twitter at KidsTablePod. That's at KidsTablePod. And uh, we will address your questions, concerns, comments, uh, etc. on the podcast once we get them. So thanks for listening. And we'll get back to the show now. Bye. I want to first off and say I'm sorry that I got Sean Clement's name wrong. Oh, that's, I mean, that's fine. Is that someone that I should know? No, 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 no. Okay. It's just someone I like, and if they ever listen, I would hate for them to think I don't know their name. Oh, well, Sean Clemens, please know that Matt looks very sincere right now, and I, he clearly loves you. He's even blushing a little. Aww. <laughs> so, where have we left off? So I The baffling John Henry Irons working, making weapons, even though he hates it, for some reason, yeah. demonstrates <laughs> the deadliness of his weaponry. This is the beginning of the movie, by the way. I think we should... We are, let's make it clear. We are now officially starting the movie. Yes. So that's... So if you want to turn on your TVs... It's on HBO Go for free, which Matt didn't know. Matt paid for this movie. Yeah, you've paid for stupid movies, too, during this podcast, though. <laughs> yeah, but not for Steel. Oh, come on. 
Um, not when I had it on my HBO Go and I would have given you my password. I, well, all, come on. All the little actors and uh, the directors and the writers were trying their darndest to make a good movie. They just didn't do it. It's. I mean, they didn't. They didn't really do it. And can I say that, like, before we launch into it, and you'll understand why I'm going to say this, I'm really glad that we watched Meteor Man first. Mm. Like, I think that was necessary. Meteor Man is a way more, like, genuine a failed attempt. Yeah. Yeah, and it deals with literally the exact same thing. It's it's ga- black gangs in the inner city because that was the only storyline. Although this movie doesn't do d- doesn't contradict itself the way that Meteor Man did. No, which is the contradiction at the end where the gangs save the save day. Save the day. Right. Yeah. No, this does not do that. It still has the same sort of self-policing kind of very problematic point of view, but yeah. it, it's it at least doesn't totally undermine its whole message at the very end. But Robert Townsend is a slightly better something. I don't know if it's writing, direction, but he somehow managed to make a slightly more entertaining movie. It's just got more heart, more like endearing qualities, yeah. a lot more interesting stuff going on. The Golden Lords are a way oh, better right. gang. I mean, yeah, the costume design, though... We had some interestingly dressed... We'll get to the gangs in this movie. Yeah. They were interestingly dressed. Interesting choice. It's yeah. not just 97 style. It's something beyond. <laughs> it might be that Townsend's also, like, actually black. And, like... Right, right. And the people that made this movie, pop, probably not. Yeah, I think, like, everyone involved. Steel's creators both are white. The... I think the screenwriter's white. Yeah. Um, also, the screenwriter apparently alluded to... Um, his other thing he worked on, Alien Nation, if anyone remembers this show. Alien? I don't... Was that, like, one of those syndicated sci-fi shows? It's a movie... It's a show that I found very boring as a child, but I... Because I watched endless hours of sci-fi channel in the 90s, like, I just kind of watched. Mm-hmm. It was another one of these sort of, like, immigration racial allegories where... Of course. Um, essentially, an alien population assimilates into the world. Do they look just like humans? They look just like it's like Star Trek style. <laughs> yeah. Like they have they have big heads with like spots on them. But oh. <laughs> otherwise, they're like so they have ridged kind of heads with spots, but then they're just people. But so the screenwriter for the screenwriter who worked on Alien Nation okay. or Alien Nation, get it? It's a play on words. Uh, <laughs> apparently, this is the one thing I didn't catch. Alludes to it several times in Steel oh. as like a sort of subliminal advertisement i definitely didn't catch that because this is the first time that i'm hearing of (laughs) alien nation um so nice try buddy i mean good for him he you know you have to on brand you have to brand yourself at all times anyway yeah shall we begin now dissecting the movie proper finally the first part of this movie which is as matt tried to jump into initially uh shack is a weapons genius in the army with his friend sparky on like I've never seen a more forced romance in my whole, in in the in all the movies we've watched thus far, and we watched some bad movies. Yeah, this is like the negative amount of chemistry that I feel t- between these two people. And I felt so the the love interest in this movie, Sparky, is played by Annabelle Gish, and she never actually has to kiss him. Like I will say that. Like, well, I was almost taken aback because for a movie that like toyed with maturity that was beyond children's movie level this was a hard pg-13 there was a lot of shit they still have that like kind of very american squeamishness about sex yeah 
especially, well, especially sex between white women and a black and man. And this was interracial relationship. Yeah. yeah. So these people, the whole time, I'm like, you guys keep doing your little like touching each other's finger thing and right. Like, they have like hugging. A, they had like a secret symbol uh, between each other where they would touch each other's fingers. Um, I don't know why. Was it because of like static electricity spark or something? Her name's I bet, Sparky. I bet you that is. That's it. I bet you that's it. But, so, I'm sorry. I'm really, really quickly. So, this this came out in 97, and it's an interracial, maybe romance. I'm not even sure if it's romance, because the last line of the movie, not to give it away, is, I love that, not, right. I love you. It's, <laughs> it's, it's something, I was bored and, and fading in and out of paying attention, but every time they had a scene together, I was fascinated because it was like, it was so obviously a ham-fisted dance around that issue. Yeah. And, it, like, all the language was chosen really clunkily to never insinuate anything more than friendship. It was so weird. It, like, kind of reminded me, like, in 93, there was the movie The Pelican Brief with, um... Julia Denzel- Roberts. Yeah, yeah. Julia... Well, Julia Wa- Roberts and Denzel Washington. Yeah. And, like, the rumor about that movie is, like, how Denzel refused to, um, like be in a romance with Julia Roberts on screen, like, he wouldn't kiss her because he thought it would alienate his black female audience, who at that point was like, oh, Denzel. Like, he thought he didn't want to put that on screen. Interesting. And so I guess by, like, clearly by 97, like, we weren't, we're not even over it now, necessarily. Again, that's an actor's choice versus what I think is, like, the weird, the weird push and pull of this movie being both a family-friendly kids film about a comic book superhero and some sort of, uh, you know, veiled allegory for how to self-police and be a respectable citizen in the inner city and, and... Well, okay, let's pull back from the inner city. Okay. Um, sorry, no, no, let's, let's pull back from the inner city because we're still in the desert. Um, and... we're in, we're in, like, Yucca Flats or Mexico or something. Oh, I genuinely thought we were overseas. Was I incorrect? I, I got the impression we were south of the border. Okay, we could be. The, the movie is not clear. They're testing weapons in what looks like an adobe church in Mexico. Oh, I read... I was, Which was weird to me. That, I mean, that is also weird. I think maybe my brain just tried to normalize it and put them in the Middle East, because that just seems like we, we, we never care about ruining over there. So. No, you didn't notice the weird thing where, like, they're testing out, presumably Shaquille O'Neal, John Henry's irons, like pulse weapon. Yeah. Um, and um, and there's like a visible, like it's very visible cross, like oh, above so it them. Might be a missionary. And it like, was like a missionary thing, and they were like, it seemed like they were in Mexico. Okay, that's so. I'm. I believe you. I which am is the there. setting for where. Right. So basically, the weapon. The guy turns. There's a point at this weapon where you can turn it up to full power they haven't tested it at that yet but some over eager army guy tells him to judd basically nelson. judd nelson basically tells him to turn it up to 11 and uh he does that and right. the church the missionary church essentially collapses right onto both um john henry and sparky yes what is her 
Susan Sparks. Susan Sparks. Her name is Susan Sparks, but we Sparks. never, it's never said. It's never it's said. She's not a character in like OG okay. let's, Steel, is she? Are like we, canonic- no, are we allowed to, can we get into it yet? Should we, let's say what happens to her and then let's get into who she actually no, is. No, because the reveal is actually funny if you don't, if you're not aware of it. So she just, <laughs> she gets, she gets horribly injured at a wall, like ceiling and wall collapses on her. And Shaq does this, like, kind of, like, overlong scene where he's straining to... (laughs) He literally yells, Sparky! And it's like this... Sorry, I'm sorry that blew out the mic. Um, And he, like, reaches... Yeah, he starts straining to pull all this concrete off of him. Which brings up, actually, one of the first questions that I had with this movie, which was, there were so many scenes where, like, Shaq was showing, like superhuman strength sans the steel suit and so i actually couldn't tell as we were watching whether superhuman strength was supposed (coughs) to be one of his powers (coughs) sorry no i think he's just seven six and huge (laughs) okay that's that's fair because i was genuinely like there are points where i think he crushes a, a a payphone phone at one point yeah it's just he's just he's like very strong. He's huge. I mean, he's a huge man. But they never, they never spare an a, a, like a moment to like frame him so that you can see that he's seven six. Right. He's freakishly tall for a basketball player. Like he, that was another part of his <laughs> like amongst fame. his amongst his peers. What, yes. what we're saying <laughs> amongst his coworkers, he was also <laughs> tall. Right. But I'm just it's like if I were if I were making this movie now and I was forced to use Shaq. I definitely would not imply that he had super strength because that was actually a genuine point of confusion for me throughout the movie. <laughs> See, I didn't have a problem with that. I just more was like the, the like clusterfuck that is the beginning in terms of it's trying to like set the stage really confused me for like the, the rest of the movie until I kind of like sussed it out. But like you, you have a man who hates weaponry and hates violence making weaponry Right. You have an unfortunate incident with another, with Judd Nelson's character, uh, Nathaniel Burke, uh, where he's just inexplicably slimy and evil and, like, wants to test the full capacity of the weapon and ends up hurting everybody. Um, Sparky gets injured. And, 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 then, and then Shaq is mortified by this display? This, y- right. This incident freaks him out. He's like, oh, this can actually hurt people? Where it's like this is his first moment of discovery that weapons hurt people. Yeah, it's just like it's like it's so naive for a person who's supposedly a genius, and then they just, and then and then it, there's like this hard cut where he's just like, I can't do it. I can't do this anymore. Like I gotta leave. Like I didn't think it was gonna lead to this. And I'm like, you're in the fucking military. And then like, right. And so then, and and then he just leaves. And so does Nathaniel Burke. Mm-hmm. The, and then they yeah. b- j- they both go to L.A. and it just turns out that they're nemeses. Like it does, it, like it's it's the, very it's so flimsy. weak. It's, it's very so flimsy. weak. I mean, uh, the first the line that Matt is talking about is actually I wrote it down and it's no more weapons for me, better for my soul. What like <laughs> and like which, and actually at which point I also wrote down he's like a dim Tony Stark. Like he's just yeah, dim. <laughs> You can't, there's a sort of, there's a sort of innate essential slowness to Shaq that is not conducive to something like that Robert Downey Jr. could play off as like rapid fire. Right, his brain is always working. No, there's literally, there are scenes in this movie where Shaq 
It's more like the Green Mile or something. That's, wait, but that's actually, I was thinking, I was wondering while we were watching this movie, where was Michael Clark Duncan when this casting was, because he was still alive, and I think he was, he wasn't a big name then, but like, he was definitely active in Hollywood, and it, like, I don't know. This would have been, this would have been the role for him. Sure. Like, he was great as uh, Kingpin. Yeah. Which, I like that movie, it's an unpopular opinion. It's, yeah. Direct your hate mail towards me, not Matt. I like the Daredevil movie with Ben Affleck. I'm I love sorry. the sex tape. The what? <laughs> Wait, the what? Colin Farrell sex tape. Oh, I... Where his head's definitely shaved at because he's in the midst of being bullseye. We can't talk about that sex tape because I... <laughs> Breakfast, lunch, and motherfucking dinner. <laughs> okay, can we just take a moment? Do you know how affirming that sex tape was to, like, a young black girl? <laughs> No, what do you mean? Just because he's having sex with a black girl? Yes, because, like, that... Are you kidding me? Like, in early... The early aughts when that came out, like... I didn't think that, like, hot, like, celebrities had sex with black girls. Really? Yeah. Like, there were no inter... Like, interracial relationships were so, like, Hmm. not common. Right. Like, we didn't have our Michael Fassbender and Nicole Bahari yet. Right. We did have our, like, De Niro... That's so low-key, though, like, because I can tell people now that Robert De Niro is married to a black woman, and they're like, what the fuck? Same with George Lucas. Like, no one knows George Lucas was married to a black woman. Mm -hmm. But no, that sex tape, like, my friends and I, I was at boarding school, and we would, like, gather in the door. I torrented it. (laughs) It's, like, very... I've watched it, too, as, like, a curio, and it's very weird. It's No, it's not a good, like... It's not something that you, like, go to to, like, masturbate to, or, like... Or, like, take it's a cultural tips. artifact, folks, so please look up. <laughs> look it up. Sorry. I can't believe, I'm so... I love the fact that you just bought up the <laughs> Where the fuck were we? Oh. Oh, so, Daredevil, Michael Clark Duncan, dimness behind the eyes. Yeah. Okay. So, anyway, so, um, yeah. So... <laughs> Colonel David, played by Charles Napier, who's a character actor who I feel like always plays a colonel. Yes, um, yeah, yeah, totally. Sadly sees Shaq go back to L.A. Shaq takes the bus, signifying, again, the blue-collar thing that whatever Sherwood or whatever his fucking name is <laughs> uh, wanted to convey with his um, screenplay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nathaniel Burke, Judd Nelson, takes the plane, signifying a class divide. Yeah, no, totally. And he also... Uh, um, Judd Nelson's character ends up working for, like, a court, or, we first see him then, like, entering a corporate building, whereas yeah, we first, <laughs> no, no, wait, wait, okay, wait, let me just set it up. So we see Judd Nelson entering a corporate building, whereas we see Shaq going, like, straight into what I assume is supposed to be, like, South LA, like, Yeah, um, the fucking hip-hop beat comes in, right. so he starts walking down the street, that, like, 90s, like, and Shaq's in back in his hometown. Right. <laughs> Hey, Shaq! Like, and then, like, and that's, that's the thing, like, he's suddenly, like, high-fiving every small child who walks by, like, right. every- Though, I have to say, like, when the seven-foot-six man, like, comes back- <laughs> the seven-six-foot-six-inches man comes back. It's like, I'm sure everyone did know him, because he's fucking seven-foot-six. I mean, he's a freak, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, it's like, oh, the freak is back. Right, sure. Okay. And they immediately- what part of his introduction is what will be reiterated three times by the rule of comedic threes they reference Shaq's inability to do a three free throw yeah it's actually kind of his first scene um he like walks 
towards a basketball court that's inhabited by a bunch of youths, and they're all playing a pickup game, and they toss him the ball, and he tries to make a free throw, and it doesn't work, and so they start teasing him, which is, like, instantly reminiscent to me of the Charles Barkley scene from uh, yeah, Space, Space Jam, Jam. Yeah. yeah, except this was a little bit more, like, gentler, a little kinder, rather than, be gone! <laughs> yeah, no. That girl wanted him to cease to exist. Yeah. yeah. No, but, I mean, like, that's the one... Even as a kid, that's the one thing I knew about Shaq from, like, hearing, like, adults talk about the game, like, uh-huh. basketball games and stuff, was that like, he couldn't make free throws. So, like... Okay, wait, actually, I'm literally just making that connection now. Okay. I didn't know that, like, I Yeah, no, the, the running joke know. is that Shaq can't make free throws. Okay, so I thought that that was just a... Th- I thought that the free throw reference in the movie was just a reference to his basketball career in general. Like, we were supposed to laugh because, oh, it's this basketball star, and now he's in this movie and he can't play basketball. Like, I thought that was the joke. I didn't realize yeah, that it, it was... Yeah, it kind of works on that level, but it's definitely a reference to his actual, like, in-game ability. And it pays off. It's one of, like, a couple things that... It follows the script. ...that pay off, like, the script follows the classic comedic example like there's like three things at the end that kind of like yeah crop back up finally after having been referenced a couple times so you're always aware yeah yeah it does it it does that but so Shaq is like making this walk through his neighborhood and then he he gets to his um his family house which where he lives with his grandmother and it's the single nice house on like it's the yeah old, it's the single normal looking home <laughs> on the block yeah it's, I don't but know. it's like no, but it's so weird. Like it's it's no, it's a colorful. It's suddenly Victorian like purple in the middle of a bunch of like apartment buildings. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's completely out of place. He walks. It's a beautiful home inside. Like really looks like she has kept this home. Uh, the grandma is Grandma Odessa. She's played by Irma P. Hall. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it doesn't really. Her what is, is her part? In, is this plot important? She's trying to make a souffle. Well, that's one of the payoffs that I was It is one, about. yeah, it is one of the payoffs, but, like... <laughs> so it's very important. I guess. No, it's not. Yeah, it's, it's not, though, that's the thing, like... <laughs> you're supposed to be, like, oh, cool, like, like, obviously, like... She's trying to raise herself from her circumstances by becoming, like, a French chef. Right, the, the whole, a little bit of coding about, uh, entrepreneurial spirit and the market. <laughs> and how white is always right. Exactly. I mean, this movie, yeah, nothing about the messaging in this movie is, like, something I would, like, agree with or encourage. (laughs) But, yeah, so she's making a souffle. That's a joke for later. (laughs) Um, It's her hominy souffle. Yes. We also meet his younger cousin, uh, who I believe is play. I think it's Ray J, does play him. Maybe. No. Which? Is it Ray J? Is it Ray J? Or... Who cares? (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, it could be Ray J, because Ray J would have been in 96. Let's say this was shot in 96. He would have been... When was he on Moesha? Go down. Because, all right, I'll I'll know. Keep going, keep going. Okay, He was on Moesha. Wait, go up. (laughs) Sorry, we're on IMDb now. Yeah, he was on Moesha in 96, and he looked like that when he was on Moesha. All right, whatever. So I think that must have been him. We just know that Ray J is in this movie. Ray J's a good kid being, being enticed by the gang, because of the its message of easy money and glamour within the community uh uh because you know this is this is constantly the thing this is something we're still fucking dealing with now like it's just this like it's this constant trope you can also as soon as this character who is uh steals like little cousin basically right yeah as soon as this guy starts speaking like you can tell that this was a movie written by white people 
<laughs> no, because he just, he speaks like a parody of an African-American youth. Well, actually. Is this, was this movie not written by white people? No, did you know that Kenneth Johnson went to, uh, went to, uh, with a copy of his script that he wrote, he went to South Central Los Angeles. And, and spent a day! A day with a group of kids to ensure that the language of some of the characters was more believable. Guys, he spent a singular day. He spent one day in South Central talking to random kids who read his script and said they'll say this is what should be included. So let's say that a day means he probably spent like four hours. He was probably there from like noon to four. Spoke yeah. with maybe three children. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but he, li- I mean, okay, I'm sorry. To get back to the, ca- Ray J's character literally speaks like, a, like a parody of African-American. Right. Like, like, this person is not, the person who wrote this is not well-versed in African-American vernacular at all. Because <laughs> it just a, sounds a like... A constant, non-diegetic sort of hip-hop beat playing, like, underneath everything. Exactly. While he speaks this, like, really, really corny version of what... Yeah. Yeah. It's like, and the beat is there to, like, punch it up and, like, try to make it, like, sound like we don't know that, like, the, the contractions are being used wrong or, like, tenses are being improper. It, yeah. It's bad. It's real bad. So the, the the setup of that whole situation is to make I think um, John Henry Irons more relatable. Right, he's Look, a family. He's a family man. He's a family man. Like this is this is what they did with Robert Townsend. Right. Uh, like like look, he's like, look at him. Like he lives in the inner city, but somehow lives in a like the ideal colorful suburban home. Yes. And has a lovable grandmother whom he's polite to. And a young cousin who he wishes to be a role model for, and dissuade from joining gangs. So right. you know this is this is all doing the work of setting Steele up as like being the ideal paragon of virtue within uh, uh, the <laughs> inner city. Yes, where everything's trying to drag you down to moral degradation. You know you can't escape the inner city if you're black. Meanwhile, Judd <laughs> Nelson. Right. Walks into a, uh, a, a... A video arcade, which is another area that I think is coded as um, a kind of, like, morally, like, bankrupt... Like, something that's corrupting the youth. Like, ga- oh, video, video games, I feel like there's yeah. a video game saying corrupting the youth. Walks in to the back room where he apparently knows the owner, who's, like, this weird, creepy guy with long, straggly blonde Okay, hair. can I say that? This owner reminded me of Mr. Frond from Bob's Burgers. <laughs> Yeah, he looks like Mr. Frond, except blonde. I was also thinking of the long-haired dude from um, from Die Hard, the like terrorist guy. Oh, uh, Rickman, Alan yeah. Rickman. Not Rickman. No, but like his henchman. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, no, this it. I saw him and I was like, that's Mr. Frond, because Mr. Frond is also like if you follow the, if you follow the the children's uh, points of views, he's mm-hmm. evil. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, you're right. So just I don't know. It, he looks like a cartoon character, <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. Totally. Um, yeah. So he meets this dude, and he's like, "I have these weapons, and I know how to distribute them." Basically, I never set up that why he knows this person. Right. No, no, not important. Why he? Why Judd Nelson was at all part of the military? Why he knows that this dude sells black market weapons? Right. But essentially has apparently stolen the schematics to build John Henry Irons shit. Yes. And he just joined the military in order to like 
steal his ideas. I feel like you're adding backstory (laughs) that like was not given. I had to fill in the blanks. This script is baffling. Like it's just (laughs) like this shit just starts happening and like there's no it doesn't hold your hand in a bad way. (laughs) Um yeah no that's very yes. So then yeah so that sets up the plot. The weapons just know that these weapons that this blonde guy is trying to build are going to fall into the hands of several gangs. In South Los Angeles. Right. We got to get these weapons off the streets is a line that I hear a lot in this movie. Can I also just say that um, Shaq takes a job at like a smelting steel mill? Yes, he does. And he's just sweaty and like pouring molten steel into stuff. And there are these hot ass biddies walking around. Yes! With this. Okay. uh, One of the women in this steel mill. Women with just a hard hat and like barely any tops. Okay. So one of the women who delivers checks every week, I guess comes to give Shaq, sorry, let's, Shaq is working in the steel mill, we've now switched scenes, the blonde guy is gone, a, a hot woman <laughs> comes to, I just feel like we're jumping around a lot, so Whatever, I Whatever, man, yeah, it's, it's steel. You should have watched it. <laughs> um, so this woman comes to deliver Shaq his paycheck, and she's wearing, like, a low-cut tank top, the tightest jeans I have ever seen, and, like, Lots of cleavage, no shame, but it just seems like the wrong thing to be wearing at a steel mill. And There's then the- sparks flying everywhere. Right. She has the hard hat on, which just actually draws more attention to the fact that she's because not dressed right. She kind of just looks like she's in costume at a like a strip club. But she's with her friend, and she just fucks Shaquille O'Neal with her eyes as yeah. she's walking by. And it's weird because it's like, but what- it's like what like are we supposed to th- like? Because this happens twice. Yes. And it's super weird, and it's like, you're watching this kid's movie, and suddenly you're like, oh, these people want to, like, get on, hop on his cock. PG-13, Yeah, like, we're just like, these people really are thirsty for Shaq. Well, see, what kills me, just, like, as a fellow woman, like, (laughs) no, but, like, I can't cook bacon. Like, I like to walk around my kitchen, like, just wearing, like an underwear and tank top and if i start cooking bacon just wearing an underwear and tank top i get burns like on my <laughs> inner thighs from like splattering oil so like i'm imagining like walking around this like s- this smelting place in sleeveless tank tops with my boobs all like exposed it just sounds pain- <laughs> it, it just sounds- have you learned your lesson <laughs> it sounds painful no it's yeah it's not advisable and no. neither is cooking bacon in the in the buff not in the buff. I am wearing clothes. Just not enough. Anyway. But, and then, like, Shaq's at home with his grandmother, and there's all these calls, and he just, like, these, this dialogue starts to get really shitty, where it's just, <laughs> like, she, the grandma's like, who's calling at this hour? And he's like, oh, probably just job offers from weapons manufacturers. <laughs> As if that's just something, that, that's, that's like, if my, if my phone was ringing at my house, and my mom was like, who called? And I was just like... Just all these TV producers that want me to be a showrunner. It's just like, who, no, who says that? This is honestly where, like, and I know we're deep in now, like, <laughs> in terms of time, not in terms of the plot oh, the guys, the this is going to be a long episode. It's going to be a little long, sorry. <laughs> um, I, like, my enthusiasm very noticeably flagged at basically this moment. Okay, so, oh, it did, he wasn't even in the suit before your, your I, I, I perked up again when the suit was being built, Okay, but, like, just how poorly they were, because I could see everything they were doing, like, they're yeah. like, Judd Nelson is going to the weapons dealer, mm-hmm. I totally guessed that he would just involve the gang that Ray J was 
supposedly enticed by into it as like the patsies mm-hmm. a la meteor man right yeah yeah totally and uh and then he would just like sort of fight them on his own terms as a vigilante right I mean, aka that's... the ultimate bootstrapper oh the ultimate pull your pants up fucking citizen of matt the inner has, city like, matt has come to like the just the the seed of this movie just <laughs> this is holding the, it in his hand this is the pith of this thing yeah so so I, I i my eyes glazed over okay i mean i was still into it at this point so because basically after this shack starts there's like an there's an extended chase sequence where shack is like for some <laughs> reason hanging out with he's hanging out with a woman who never comes back into play he's doing a ride-along in which she intimates yes. that she, they like they like she like sucked his dick in the car <laughs> with, and with, with, with the with, cousin in there with the cousin in the back seat so like there's a 13 year old in the back seat <laughs> this woman is in the front of the car and there and here's the thing it's the it's the only explicit sex talk that we have between Shaq and a woman in this movie, and note, she's another black woman, which I think, like, holds up my, like, that's the weird, like, interracial, can't do too much with that thing. Right, like, we can only poke each other's fingers as a white and black couple with right. her, him and Sparky, but we can totally be like, maybe he got sucked off in this in a in police, this police car. car. Yeah. Right. But so they're talking about this, and then this whole weird chase sequence, it, it, it starts happening once i think a gang member shows up with one of these advanced weapons there's Shaq, a bank there's a bank robbery that happens we see the weapons yeah. we were exposed to at the intro shack recognizes the weapons and he decides to go after them because his conscience says oh my gosh can't have these weapons on the street right there is an absolutely ridiculous moment in this chase sequence okay. where shack is chases the guy into a train yard there's like several trains going back and forth this could have been a cool sequence i think because they have some interesting camera the angles the setting was kind of neat yeah and, and it's echoes of steam engines right and john henry yes, as a folkloric character exactly kind of work, and and i like the way they're shooting they're doing a lot of shooting from above which works better when one of our friends and former guests patrick pointed this out that it's really hard to shoot something where your star is 7-6 and everyone else When is... did he point this out? Oh, I was live tweeting it to him in our <laughs> private right, Facebook right, message. Okay, great. But so he pointed this out to me. He's like, yeah, it's really hard to shoot something when one person is that tall and everyone else is, you know, right. down imagine, here. Imagine, imagine an inverse to needing uh, Elijah Wood to look like a hobbit in comparison <laughs> to Gandalf. It's like right. the same trickery is needed when your fucking lead is... A giant man. Yes. But so, um, in this train sequence, point being, they start doing a lot of overhead crane shots of Shaq, like, running between trains, chasing everything, and chasing all the guys, and suddenly it looks like a much more polished movie, like, in this single moment. Uh-huh. And then, okay. basically what happens is, Shaq falls onto a train track, and there's a train coming, and they shoot one of the pulse weapons that we saw at the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm into one of the trains, and so the train car starts to fall on top of Shaq. Mm-hmm. Instead of getting up, Shaq starts rolling across the train track. I don't know if this moment is on YouTube, but I really <laughs> encourage you to try to find it if you can. He's just rolling across. It's. Do, do you remember? It's so ridiculous. Well, that the, I, wrote, I wrote in my notes, <laughs> I just wrote in my notes, goofy-ass chase. Because, like... Yes, it was very goofy, but... Shaq, for being an athlete, 
is very uncoordinated. Eight billion feet tall. Yeah. And so, like, consequently, while he's able to do a lot of like kind of interesting stunts of like jumping over stuff and yeah. scaling fences, like he never looks good doing anything because he's just like the the uh, the range of error possible <laughs> in the in his giant limbs. Like he just he looks like a loping like just like totally uncoordinated nerd kind mm-hmm. of even though he's like a successful basketball player right he doesn't look graceful is what i'm no he doesn't and like instead of the fucking letting him just get up off the train track which i'm sure he could have done because he's yeah and they have him roll not <laughs> off of the train track but along the train track that's like the funniest part yeah. he's rolling along it and then we're supposed to believe that he manages to roll to exactly the right place where the train car falls down it's two train cars and they're connected and they fall down in between him so that the space between the train car... No, like, no, no, no. It misses him. Yeah. No, tra- not the space between the um, the sliding door. Oh, the sliding the door. Yeah. yeah. So that's even Very important less, that I tell you. It's That's even less believable. <laughs> this, 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 this leads to John Henry Irons' awareness of the weapons on the streets. Yeah. Bl- like, completely... He knows. Out of the blue, though, that this happened. But he knows. So he knows. That's the point. He's he like, knows. I recognize my work, and it's on the streets. <laughs> like, I've done this. It's, uh, it's all me. Uh, so, um... So he decides he's going to do something about it, but to do something about it, he needs to go find his paralyzed, now paralyzed friend. Well, hold on. Wait, oh, am I jumping? Well, he calls the colonel. He calls his former colonel. Right, yeah. Who is, you know, a very enamored of of John Henry Irons. So we'll always help him. And he just keeps saying like the NSA is looking into it. He's just like, the NSA is on it. We, we've got the NSA working, which I don't know. I don't in, know. Maybe, in, this day and maybe age, in 1997, that's what the NSA did. I don't know. I feel like in 1997, people were less aware of the NSA because definitely Edward Snowden hadn't <laughs> said like, <laughs> they're monitoring your keystrokes every time you do anything. Um, so you could just get away with saying the NSA. Okay. Um, and then he's like, oh, fuck, why does he want to, how does he remember, why does he want to go see Sparky? I don't remember what the impetus is for this. I don't know if it's important or explained. Oh, I guess, no, I guess he, the time frame of the movie is also incredibly... It's quick. ...convoluted. No, it's not, not? quick. I thought it was quick. Because, fuck, there's like, I thought it was very fast, but okay. there were, there were... And shit, I'm not going to be able to tell you what specific moments led me to believe this, but I, I at first I was like, this is a week <laughs> or some shit. But then there were moments where I was like, this might be months later from well, we, when he left the military. I mean, that's interesting because we did just come off of a movie, Cats Don't Dance, where like the timeline was clearly written for us like on the screen. Like right. we knew it was three days. So I understand we're having some trouble here. Well, no, but it's not just that. It's not just that I didn't have it literally written out for me in movie. Mm-hmm. Like... It's a bad movie. It's badly constructed. No one's going to argue with you on that. <laughs> he's supposedly been checking in with Sparky because there's that one scene where he's in her with her in the hospital after yes. the incident. But then she gets moved to... And then he goes back to LA. Right. And then she, all so that shit happens. Then he goes back. Sparky gets moved from the original hospital. I don't know where that was to like, I think Leavenworth? Did they say... No, that's a prison. No. Yeah. She, no, she, she's in the VA some sort of VA sponsored hospital. I thought it was in <laughs> Leavenworth. Anyway, so let's just get to the point where like Shaq is there. 
because the the weapons are on the street. He wants to do something about it. He needs the help of his friend. So then suddenly we're greeted by a redheaded genius in a wheelchair. And I really, like, I think we just need to... I appreciate... Honestly... We need to talk about that. First little... I appreciated the slight criticism of the VA. Yeah. Which is an issue that still is a problem. Definitely. But you know Donald Trump is going to fix that. I know. And I, I, I... wholeheartedly believe that he will (laughs) but i did appreciate in 97 the little like oh look veterans administration kind of kind of shitty kind of slacking it was the windows right in this scene the filthy windows yes yeah they're basically in a dump of a hospital yeah it looks like one flew over the cuckoo's nest yeah it turns out that sparky is um paraplegic yes because the remember at the beginning of the movie the concrete fell on her yeah um making her Okay, so here's the thing. I once caught 20 minutes of this movie on uh, one of those like weird antenna channels called Boom. I didn't know that I was watching Steel, but I, then I slowly realized that I was watching Steel, and I saw a redheaded woman in a wheelchair who was a computer genius. Like, she's wearing the, the microphone right. the entire time, typing away at her computer. Walking her man through his exploits. Exactly. So I'm watching it on this this weird antenna channel, haven't seen it from the beginning, have not caught her name. So I'm like, oh shit, I didn't know that Barbara Gordon was in the Steel movie. And I got very excited. Like, I was... I was thrilled. <laughs> and I'm watching it, I'm watching it, I'm watching it. And then, like, at some point in the last 20 minutes, I hear them call her Sparky. And I'm like, the fuck is going... Like, what is happening? Like, is this some <laughs> nickname that I have missed, despite being a fan of Barbara Gordon, like, since the early 90s? Yeah. And Kendra has a deep affinity to I, Oracle, as we'll call her, yeah. I think. I, so I, I love Oracle. I love Barbara Gordon don't love her so much now with what's going on in Batgirl, but whatever. I don't know what's happening. I, I mean, I love, basically, I love the Gail Simone run of, of Birds of Prey. So I was really excited about what was happening, and then they kept calling her Sparky, and I get to the end of the movie, I'm like, okay, I still don't know what's going on here. I go to IMDb, and I discover that this woman's name is Susan Sparks. <laughs> but when I say that she is literally Barbara Gordon, <laughs> it's just a it's just a whole cloth rip of, yeah. of that character because, as I had mentioned earlier, Steel in this movie at least is essentially Tony Stark, yes, Bruce Wayne, yep. and fucking Superman. Yes. He's just those three people mixed in a blender, right? Like in equal part, and, and two out of the three of those, Tony Stark and and Bruce Wayne have a redhead who aid them. Yes. <laughs> and, and but like most egregiously, Batman has a wheelchair-bound redhead <laughs> who aids him with computer wizardry. It's so like to watch this movie is so bizarre because this woman is clearly Barbara Gordon. She is like struggling to become used to this injury that is not her in no way was her fault. It was came at the hands of the villain of the movie. Sure, yeah. Um and she is a super smart computer genius. She overcomes her there are some questionable moments about her overcoming her injury, which we can discuss. Um, See, I, would, I was almost going to say, I think this movie was, like, the one thing that I saw as sort of, like, a, a, a silver lining in terms of critics who basically panned the whole thing was a 
the the first ever casting of a like kind of like a differently abled person in a superhero franchise. Yes, but I I mean I would genuinely like love to hear from anyone who is not able-bodied who like might have a thought on the scene where there's a scene where she falls out of her wheelchair when it's like it's really Matt's laughing. It's, it's excruciating. Like, it's really painful to watch. Like she falls out of her wheelchair and Shaq at this point has an has like an old man friend who almost makes me think like they wanted Lucius Fox and they couldn't get Lucius Fox. <laughs> um, but he so he so Shaq and this other old guy are like watching her like fall out of this wheelchair and struggle trying to get back into it. And the old man goes to help her and Shaq's like, no, wait, watch. Yeah. And then we have to watch her for like five minutes, like struggle to get back into her chair. And it just seems I don't want to speak. Boot, bootstrapping, baby. It's bootstrapping. In, micros- it really, it in microcosm. Really, it really is bootstrapping. And I don't want to speak for anyone who is, like, who does utilize a wheelchair for, for movement or for anything else, but, like, a lot of the portrayal in this movie seems weird. Like, also, when in the VA hospital, when Shaq removes her from the VA, VA, VA hospital... Oh, I wrote he, that down. He literally does remove her. She is saying, no, stop, don't touch me. She's using... <laughs> the universal language of lack of consent. Yes. No, stop. Don't touch me. And he proceeds not just to pick her up, but to pick up her wheelchair and physically remove her from the VA hospital because we're supposed to be like, oh, Shaq is like making her stop moping, make, making her, you know, right. get out of her Snap funk. out of it. Exactly. Like, but also she says shit happens, which is kind of harsh for a kid's movie. And then he goes well, this shit is happening. And then he grabs her. And then I just wrote, like, he's applauded for stealing a crippled woman from the VA hospital? <laughs> it's not... Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, all... And it's all men in that VA hospital. There are right. no women. And they all start... But they cheer. They all start applauding when Shaq, again, physically picks up her wheelchair and walks out of there while she's saying, no, right. stop. She continues Don't to say do this. no. And then later to, like, I guess vitiate the like probably very like warranted reaction of oh my god this is fucked up <laughs> she's like well I, like i guess that thank you like she i don't she does some weird like creepy thing and then because he's a blue collar batman yes uh from the inner city sh- and she's barbara gordon but they just their bat cave is a pile of garbage <laughs> it literally is but- and their lucian fox is like more like a, a, a red fox. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's, Ri- it's Richard Roundtree who played Shaft um, in the original Shaft movies. Right. Yeah. Which this soundtrack also kind of steals a little bit of its mojo from two. Yes. Shaft. Okay, we're going to get to the soundtrack in a second. I just, wa- I just want to reiterate one more time. Susan Sparks is Barbara Gordon, and it's really upsetting because this Shaft comes out um, in 97, Batman and Robin also comes out in 97. Uh-huh. Batman and Robin has a character called Barbara Gordon <laughs> who ha- who bears no resemblance to the Barbara Gordon that I know and love from the comic books. And again, like I would love to sit down with the people who made Steel and like find out what was going on right. because it really does seem to me like they wanted Barbara Gordon. They couldn't get Barbara Gordon because George Clooney and Joel Schumacher had her. Right. And so they said, okay, fine, we are going to keep Barbara Gordon, <laughs> but we'll just call her something else because it's, it's Barbara Gordon. She's right. a redhead in a wheelchair. <laughs> like, it's egregious. It's, it's so weird. And it's like, 
and it's terrible to have to see her on screen in this movie like there was a yeah there's another show called birds of prey that lasted for one season on the cw that i actually really like and (laughs) if you'll remember it came on like one or two seasons after smallville and i actually really like it i think it's a really good portrayal of barbara gordon Uh uh-huh um and it sucks that this is the first this is the first portrayal of her like on a live action screen i basically yeah it's like a botched lesser version I'm really upset. Like, she even, she has modifications to her wheelchair that, like, I could very easily see comic book Gail Simone written Barbara Gordon making. Like, she has, at one point, where she shoot lasers out of her wheelchair? Yeah, like, at the end sequence, she, like, can shoot, like, rockets and shit, and she has, like, a boost ability. Like, she can, like, sort of, like, boost her way out of a situation. Yeah, (laughs) like, it's all very much, oh, God, I'm sorry. Like, we've talked about this for a very long time now, but... If you if you've never seen Steel, like and you watch this for the first time, you're going to be astounded. And I don't think and I think that well, they got away with this because no one fucking saw Steel. It only made one point six million dollars at the box office. Right. It was it took it made it cost sixteen million to make. It it was another one of these movies that like was just ruinous financially. Yeah. It was I mean like, yeah, this movie is this movie's bad. It's it's very, very just, like, mediocre pap that you can kind of, like, put on without paying attention to. And it got what it deserved in terms of a rating. I just, I can't, sorry. I just can't fucking believe that. Like, Kendra I, has a little bit more than the average person's <laughs> investment in Barbara Gordon's character, too, I think. I have so many. I collect Batgirls. Like, literally, like, I collect Batgirl action figures. I collect Batgirl Barbie dolls. It's really bad. I love her so much, and I can't believe that in all the shows that we have right now, what do we have? Arrow? The fo- Matt is making a face at me. We have Arrow. Give you the high side. That was, it's, <laughs> it's running long. I know. There's Arrow. There's The Flash. There's Supergirl. And there has been no other portrayal of Barbara Gordon on screen since Birds of Prey. Ex- but there is fucking S- Sparky in Steel. Do you know what? <laughs> Sorry, I'm not done. <laughs> <Whew>. <laughs> I just. Do you know what else is funny? What? That upset me is that <laughs> before I watched, I also knew that Richard Roundtree played Shaft. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I thought initially was a gay joke where they're talking about him, like, Steel, like, crafts his armor. Yeah. Um, Fuck, we haven't even gotten to the fact he, that and- Shaft makes armor yet. <laughs> Whatever. He makes armor. Okay. Shaq makes armor. He's a metalworker weaponsmith. They make armor. He's a really beautiful artisanal bungalow. Yeah, like a really cool junkyard setup. Yeah. But sh- but Richard Roundtree goes like they're 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 admiring the hammer because he's John Henry. They're admiring the hammer that they made. And uh, Richard Roundtree goes, "I especially like the shaft." Oh. And I was like, "Is that a fucking like gay joke?" And then I was like, oh no, he's Shaft. And then I'm like, <laughs> everything's horrible. <laughs> like, like, either way, it's, it's funny, so I, lame. I miss that joke altogether, but it, it's giving me a little, like, Ugh. I have a little tingly of laughter now. I especially like the shaft, and there's like this like awkward. This movie doesn't know how to do comedy, so like there's like these awkward pauses and like extended. It reminded me almost of um, actually what I thought of was the Babysitters Club, which was another thing where like. They hold on expressions for, like, several seconds too long, and as, like, an 
aggregate, the movie ends up feeling really like a like a Tim and Eric sketch or something. Like it's just like really weird feeling. It yeah. There's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot of things in this movie that just like don't make sense. Also, the little cousin goes. Like, talking about the... He gets sort of roped into joining Judd Nelson's uh, gang. Because he thinks he's going to be, like, a software video game? Yeah, like, he thinks he's proprietor at age 14? He thinks he's getting, like, this legit job. At and age 14? And one of the things that I think one of the South Central LA kids probably told him to add, he's like, I'm going to make that cream. That cream. And he's like, cream? He's like, cash rules everything around me. <laughs> Which was... That's a phrase... That's like a thing that I've heard before, but would I just... It's a it, song. It didn't sound natural. Like, nothing about that entire exchange no. sounded real. Uh, but, you know, Ice Cube lent his rapping abilities to part of the OST to this song, as did KRS-One. Right, right, right. Who are amazing. Yeah. Like, and Shaq also rapped. I mean, can we get... Could we have a movie starring Shaq without a Shaq rap? No, I just... It's just just know that and look it up. It's really funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, one thing that I was wondering about Shaq was, was that Superman tattoo like a thing he has? Or did, or yeah, did he they has have... a Man of Steel tattoo with the Superman ass. Oh, does he? Yeah. Oh. On his arm, on his bicep. I didn't know that. You didn't see that? No, no, no. That's, no, I was asking, is it real or did they add it for the movie? Oh, no, no, no. That's... That's not real, That, but that's just, like, yeah. in a movie. Okay, so we're acknowledging that Superman somewhere it's the one has non- died. It's the one tip of the cap to the fact that this movie, once upon a time, in, like, its first iteration, involved Superman. Right. And was about actually Superman. It's so weird to think that, again, Batman and Robin, like, these are both DC movies. This technically exists in the same universe as Batman and Robin. Yeah. Same year, even. I mean, Steel is... Even within the DC universe proper, a kind of like he kind of like flits in and out in like strange ways, like right. Like a, I feel like like a lot of like black characters within comics, mm-hmm. like there was these like awkward kind of like introductions, and then like they would like fade in and out of popularity. Well, that's the thing. I I think a lot of these characters like they would come up when it was um, useful yeah, to exactly. the companies. And then they would vanish for a while until they were useful again. And it's only recently where it's like, no, you have to have a continued presence of your black characters or your Muslim characters or your Latina characters in in your books. Like, and actually have to keep them constant, regardless even of whether they're selling or not, to be like perfectly frank. Right. Although I still, as a pessimist, go like that that continued pressure is, is really great. But I, I feel like the reason it, it's successful partially is because it's just like they just do the market research and go like, well, it's it serves the company again. Well, yeah, no, I, well, I just worry about yeah. that as like the sole motivating. Well, factor. no one. I mean, I guess that's good in one sense, but yeah. bad in the, in terms of like the motivation behind mm-hmm. the change in behavior. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's fair. Um, I was I was gonna say that like steel, and we were talking about this a little before we started recording, like. I, this, this steel, um, at least what this director and this writer were going for really fit with that sort of like gritty Zack Snyder thing, even though it came out clearly in this version, very like goofy yeah, and not, not like the gritty reimagining like that Man of Steel has or that like Batman v Superman has, whether or not we think they're good movies. Uh-huh. They're not we won't get into that. Right. Um, but 
This is the only DC movie, like, from pre-Nolan Batman that I could see where, like, this character might fit into the Snyderverse. Does that make sense? Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, because it, it involves a sort of, what, like a, a kind of care. Like it's a more of a street-level, yeah, con- street-level conservative. Yeah. Um, darker, darker, again, it came off goofy, but right. you could tell he wanted it to be darker. Yeah, he was straining, it's, it was like the Super Mario Brothers movie a little bit, like, <laughs> a little bit, not okay. at, almost at all, but just sort of like, the director, the screenwriter, straining at the mandate that it's a kid's film. Right. Yeah, to- oh, totally. Like, I'm, so Cyborg is gonna be, did you see the JLA trailer? I saw, like, Aquaman sp- Doing a Moses thing or it's something. Fucking great. Alright. Cannot wait. Well, it's we've already be, talked gonna, yeah, we've whatever. already talked about the Colin Farrell sex tape. We don't need to talk about Let's Aquaman. wait, standpoint. Let's stand No, well, I was what I was gonna say is that like Cyborg is supposed to be in this in this JLA movie. And I almost because they're doing Death of Superman, part of me is like, why didn't they do Steel? Yeah. Well and I and I do know that Cyborg is like part of the the resurrection of Superman, like, storyline. But having now watched this, like, it kind of seems to me that Steel is actually kind of an important character who might be missing. And it would be a good chance to just, like, rescue that character from what the fuck this was. Yeah, I mean, according to my super shitty research that I always do for these things, it seemed like Cyborg is the closest analog. Like, he seemed like a replacement for Steel as, like, Mm -hmm. an unpopular character. But, like, Steel was one of the four... He's one of the four Supermen. Proto Superman who contained Superman's spirit or some bullshit or yeah, whatever it was. It was Steel, Superboy, and then like two other people who I right, not gonna yeah, remember. Yeah. Um but yeah, it just seems like that those storylines could be missing from this movie that's coming out. But you know, it's not gonna be good anyway. But it would be better than this. So Yeah. <laughs> okay, after after a brief sequence where Steel kinda like tries out his newfound abilities with his suit, which is just sort of like vaguely defined what his powers are. Yeah. A lot of like oh lol, like vigilante abuse of criminals. <laughs> right. His suit sorry, so I just wanna say that the costume design in this movie, there were two different costume designs. Mm-hmm. One for like regular costume design and then one guy who made the suit. Right. And the guy who made the suit, I can't remember his name right now but he has a really interesting career path and, and he gets a singular credit in he, the movie he does and he also he's like he specializes in age makeup and he did the makeup for benjamin button oh like so he's a really interesting career okay. just like in terms of he's actually good at what he does and we shouldn't judge him by steel no, not even when his uh mask apparently made of steel still bends around like rubber well we don't have to i noticed that too and we don't have to talk about <laughs> So, you know, pretty yeah. pretty good guy. Um, okay, so... You gotta just put on the MF Doom mask, to be honest, and it would look dope. <laughs> yeah. So, Steel gets a suit, and he does shit. I mean, this is... A, I'm sorry, guys. This is a long episode yeah, again. Yeah, let's just fucking crash through the rest of it. Yeah. Judd Nelson's been robbing banks. It doesn't matter. He's a bank robber. He's a villain. Yeah. Like, he's a black wep- market weapons dealer. He kills a bunch of people. He kills a whole lot of people. He embroils the local gang into his overall plot. Which is another trope is like a sort of more like the white man, the powerful white man getting the low level black gang members to like sort of do his bidding and take the fall. Right, and as he says at the end, every experiment needs a guinea pig. Yeah, which is actually no, he says ca- rat. He does not say which, guinea oh, pig. He rat. says rat. <laughs> which is actually kind of felt more true to, to reality in yeah. some ways. Um, 
And so, mm-hmm. Steel. He finds out the last big... Let's just get to the end. Okay, he that's just, fair. He, whatever, they try and rob a bank. Whatever. <laughs> Watch the fucking movie, guys. Yeah, it's only 93 it's minutes. So, I, yeah, I don't know. Okay, and, and so um, he essentially, like, after their bank robbery, they get basically free publicity via the media covering the incident. Yeah, and, and cuts, all the and all the other gang right, gang members, like cuts, international gang dealers, see right. these weapons. I said, it, what did I say? I said it cuts to, like, guerrilla warfare in people South America, in, South in South America. America yeah. Like, Mexican drug cartel people. Yeah. And, like, Nazi skinheads. Like, people yes. with, like, straight-up swastikas in their room and stuff. PG-13, you gotta have a swastika. Yeah. Talking about <laughs> porn. Talking... Because... And they're all yeah. using the internet. Oh, the, my favorite line um, is the one, one skinhead is, like, the internet. And then the other skinhead is, like... We can pick all thing, all kinds of things up, not just porno. Yeah. He says porno. Porno, right. <laughs> Who loves a good pornography? <laughs> porno. Uh, so, yeah. Um, so then they all meet in this, like, warehouse for the final showdown as Judd Nelson, who expects Steel to show up. He's, yeah. It's part of his whole, like, nefarious social engineering thing. Mm-hmm. Um, is demonstrating the weaponry in order to make a big sale. Right. And Steel comes with his, rep- like, his entourage of Oracle and he, which, Lucius Fox. Again, Lucius like, Fox. Oracle is meant to be in the Batcave, like, you know, or the Clock Tower. Like, she stays in the Batcave, she stays in the Clock I didn't understand why she was with him at this moment. They kept touching each other's fingers instead of <laughs> fucking. And that's why it was hard to swallow their relationship at all. You... Listen, a threatening tall black man could not actually romance a white woman in 1997. It's just, right. It's not allowed. It's not allowed. But yeah, so they have this final showdown in this warehouse. Um, it kind of goes awry for a second. Um, and and Babs gets herself, like, caught, kind of. Right. At first, you're like, oh, no, is Judd Nelson got the upper hand on steel? I wonder if it's, that's not actually the case. And but it wasn't. It wasn't at all because um, they try to turn the magnet on on Steel's like costume. Steel, Steel, Steel's Shaquille O'Neal's grandmaster plan is to say, "Don't press the red button on my hammer." And Judd Nelson's like, "I'm gonna press the red button on your like, hammer." You don't tell me what to do. I'll press the red button. <laughs> and of course, it turns on. The magnet capabilities, which has been demonstrated earlier, but who cares? Right. And um, it so the the his hammer gets sucked out of Judd Nelson's hands back into Shaquille O'Neal's hands, and then Babs <laughs> slash Sparky starts like, shooting rockets. She starts scooting lasers out of her wheelchair, <laughs> and, and then at one point. Oh, no, sorry. This is before she starts shooting lasers out of her wheelchair. A line that I just want to pick out because I think this does show that he spent sometime among black people. Okay. <laughs> he was like, so one of the lead gang members, he like, when he's saying that they're disposable and they're just like rats, he was like, and by the way, that was a poor hot dog. At which point I actually laughed out loud because I would kill a man. If, if someone... You, if, if you ate a pork hot dog. Yes, I would kill a man. Why? And I know so many black people who would be like, are you fucking kidding me? Wait, why? Because we don't eat... Like, a lot of us just don't eat pork. We don't fuck with pork. Why? I didn't know this. So, uh, for me, it's like... It, like, it, it vaguely relates to the Nation of Islam, but, like, for some people, it's just like, we don't fuck with pork. Hmm. 
And I don't know what the... Well, like, there's no pork on my fork, no ham on my pan. I'm learning. Oh, yeah, that's... I'm just learning It's right a now. thing. Yeah, it's totally a thing. Oh, that's like, funny, then. Yeah, I can't... I don't eat pork. I only eat bacon. Okay. Yeah. And if someone... This doesn't make sense It doesn't me, make but. any <laughs> sense, but if someone, like, tricked me into eating a pork hot, hot dog, mm-hmm. I would literally murder them. <laughs> okay. Well, there you have it. That's a legit thing. That's not... And that's also a joke that pays off, yeah, too. Exactly. Yep. The other joke that pays off is the free throw thing, which they've referenced three times, so now you're allowed to do the punchline where he does do a successful free throw. Free this, throw. Is, this is trying to escape. He free throws a grenade through a very small hole in a fence. Yes, at some gunman. Yeah. Spoilers. Steel, as a man like Bruce Wayne, who seems to be very anti anti-fatal violence. Yeah, totally. Fucking kit mercs people. Well, we don't know that the gr- that grenade killed anyone. Are do you kidding? We? Are you kidding me? <laughs> he blew up somebody. But we didn't see a body. We heard a scream. He also kills Judd Nelson. Oh, that is true. <laughs> if you don't believe that, right. because it's an off-screen death, he kills Judd Nelson. And and so uh, okay. so also his whole sort of like principled stance earlier is is just destroyed. Like he kills he kills. Minimum two people, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, I mean, but doesn't, don't we, Batman kill some people. Not, I mean, well, he doesn't use a gun. He doesn't use a gun. Batman's fucking burning brands into people in Batman v Superman. That's, I don't, I didn't see the movie. I didn't okay. see the movie. All okay. I know is that, like, if you're trying to, like, set up some paragon who takes a principled nonviolent stance at the beginning, you can't have him fucking blowing people to bits with a grenade yeah i literally wrote this down i just i didn't realize that that person he blew up with the grenade actually died so this is this is re judd nelson's death which i wrote down because i thought it was fucking brutal the colonel again who shows up after shack phones in the fact that he'd like defuse this weapons trade situation the colonel goes like no prop like thanks steel like looks like you got him and then he's like what about nathaniel burke and he's like oh don't worry about that we're raking through the rubble for his teeth and i was like holy shit okay so that's the part where he's talking to the colonel and i'll tell you why i didn't hear that part because i kept rewinding the movie because i he says he says to shack well shack says to the colonel when the colonel's like oh where are you can we talk can we can we partner up, basically? He says, I've accomplished all I wanted. You won't be seeing me anymore. Right. So I knew I heard that. But then later, I was like, he says, I'll see you around. Yeah. It doesn't... <laughs> and then he does a fake Arnold Schwarzenegger. Well, the entire conversation is disguised by a fake Schwarzenegger voice because Babs has the, like... Yeah, the voice thing. The voice much. She like, she's, a computer, she's a computer genius. Because you're a computer genius in the 90s, it's magic, essentially. Okay, but also Babs can do anything. And she's Babs. You know what? She may be paralyzed, but she can do anything. She can do... She can literally... She is my favorite character. Guys, when they rake through the rubble to find your teeth... Teeth are the final resort in IDing a body when it's been so badly mutilated or destroyed that only, there's no other way to ID it. Only if you've ever had the privilege of going to a dentist, which a lot of people don't. 
Right, so even sometimes that's not a good cause. Although yeah. I think Nathaniel Burke probably did, because he's a fucking... Yeah, it's a dental record. ...ruling class piece of shit. Anyway, yeah. that's... That's real. The teeth <laughs> thing? I don't know, I just, like... I, that really disturbed me at the very end, even. I was like, ugh. Yeah. Yeah, because I guess you're right, he died. Yeah, he was incinerated. <laughs> Let's give this a rating. Well, okay, wait, can we can we get to the end end of the movie? Do you mind? What it, yeah, sure. What happens? The the coda, basically, where they're all where Oh the sh- yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where Shaq, Babs, and uh, Lucius Fox. I'm right. just calling him Lucius I'm sorry, I'm just calling him Lucius Fox. Uh, his, name's, it's an, his name's Uncle uh, Joe. It's an old black man who has a surprising amount of knowledge of like metalworking and <laughs> like, right, yeah. Yeah. Lucius Fox. So um, they're all sitting the grandmother has turned her front lawn into a restaurant, which I can't imagine has, like, flies by any, like, zoning Legal? codes. No, of course not. She's running an illegal operation. But she's an Great. entrepreneur, which is all that this movie cares about. Right, she's pulling, again, bootstraps. She is bootstrapping. Her bootstraps happen to be French, because she's a f- French cuisine uh, right. bootstraps. And yeah, so they're, so we, meant, uh, we mentioned this earlier, but they're all sitting around, they're eating, and... Uh, Babs suddenly reveals that she has made her wheelchair be able to, like, boost her into a standing position. Yeah. It's weird. And they Uh, hug. Her and Shaq hug chastely. They hug very chastely. And the last line of the movie, again, is... And she goes, like, what do you think? And he goes, I love it, girl. And then she goes, I love it, too. It. And. It. They've never touched each other. They never, and then like in it, a sexual manner. It's so weird, and then it just like it ends on that on "I love it too," and then it breaks into this gospel song, which right about steal yourself, but like for the Lord or something. So I'm gonna play this for you during the break, so that you can have like, a, and I'll play it for you guys in our in the break, so that you guys can all have a clear uh, knowledge of what I'm gonna say. Which is, that song is clearly, like, the same song from a movie called The Preacher's Wife. Hmm. Help is on the way, except they've changed the lyrics. Okay. (laughs) So they stole a song from Whitney Houston, it seems. (laughs) 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 And put it in the credits of their movie. And Grandma Odessa makes her souffle at last. She does. She finally makes a souffle that doesn't um, melt at the the sign of Shaq's footsteps his rumbling (laughs) his size 22 shit that's a lot of verbiage for a really fucking subpar movie yeah I mean I can't believe there was there was a side think about this in this movie this DC superhero movie about the inner cities and a man without powers who who is forging his way literally forging his way to steal yeah there's a side plot about a souffle.
no time to waste because we've wasted a lot of time. No, I uh, listen, I don't think this has been a waste of people's time. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I think we just have this movie has a because of what DC Pictures or Warner Brothers Pictures is doing right now. I think this movie has a lot of context that it sits in and we've addressed all of it. Yeah, I believe this is the the culprit to point to for why this ran so long cuz like for a movie that's so mediocre we did talk a lot about it, and I'll rate it now. Okay. Oh, you're not, okay, you're not gonna let me say anything. Go. No, no, you you go first, then. No, you go first. Fuck. Okay. Yeah, go. Uh, I didn't see this movie when I was a kid, so um, throwing it back to 97, I, I, I would probably say this movie was a solid, like, two and a half, maybe approaching a three for me as a kid, because I didn't really need a ton, again, to, like, make myself super enthused. And I actually might have dug the ability to um, kind of like phase in and out, you know, in, in regards to my attention. Like if I could wander out of the room and like get some, get a snack and come back and it didn't really matter that I was gone for a little bit of time, like maybe my child brain would have, would appreciate this sort of just like basic lack of plot or any sort of strain on my brain that this movie would require of me. But I think I still would have regarded it even at that age as like, brain candy okay now this movie gets like i don't know like a one from me 1.5 this movie okay no because it's not worse than ladybugs and it's not worse than super kendra's really like it is it is kendra kendra feels like the nadir is super mario brothers which i just respectfully totally disagree with you about (laughs) So it's definitely way worse than Super Mario Brothers. That's not the case at all. Um, it's not as bad as Ladybugs in terms of like ethical and moral messaging, but it's still not great in that regard. No. Okay, what? Well, how about us two? That's fair. I think that's fair. If that's now that we're policing each other on sort of like <laughs> prior ratings, I swear, like one day I'm gonna come in here at the and at the beginning of an episode, I'm just gonna read off everything that we have both given each movie, just so that we have like all right a, 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 a tracking system. So like a two point five or like on the higher side of almost a three for when I'm a kid, and a solid two now. There's a lot of movie, <laughs> and I don't know, man. It's 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 so. It's it's bland, which I find to be a bigger sin than than even a total f- just flaming like just fucking failure like like Ladybugs, <laughs> which at least has entertainment value for me as an adult. Yeah, I to continue this comparison, let me just say like I was so much more into watching like Shaq's dead face than I was to watching either John Leguizamo or who the fuck else was in Super Mario Brothers. Who was the other one? Bob Hoskins? Bob, yeah, I was way more into Shaq than I was into Bob Hoskins. Um, That's even though, wild. Even though <laughs> literally nothing was going on behind Shaq's eyes. Shakespearean actor. Yeah. Athlete. Well, I, re- I respect an athlete, I guess, is what I'm telling you. Mm. Um, okay, so when I was a kid, I'm actually, I'm having an issue now trying to figure out whether... In 1997, I would have been upset about the Barbara Gordon thing because I know I was upset about Barbara Gordon in um, Batman and Robin. Like, I remember that because I remember, like, complaining to my mom about it after I dragged her to take me to see it at Uh our town movie theater. And I was, like, talking about it as we came out and she was not, she 
nothing. Like, just blank stare over her head. So you'd also have been nine, and that's... Right. Yeah. So that's when you would have been into... I was very into Barbara Gordon at that age. Okay. And, like, I was upset about Alicia Silverstone. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And But I liked Batman and Robin. <laughs> okay. What do you anyway, give Steel? Steel? Okay. Well, then I'm trying to figure out, like, sure, sure. whether that would have bothered me. I'm, I'm gonna just give it, like, a three. I think I would have been entertained by it. Mm-hmm. And it's black people, so bonus points. I don't know. When I was that age. Now... Yeah. <laughs> See, I think a two is a fair score. Like, I genuinely... I think a two is, like, a... That's a score I can live with. It's not a good movie. No. I don't want to defend this movie. Would you also agree? Wouldn't... Would never just, like, suggest my kids watch it? No. Oh, my God, no. I'm okay. not sitting down. Like, I'm not sitting my kids down in front of Steel. That's a good metric. We should bring that up more often. I think our, our hypothetical children should be involved in sometimes in this measurement. I think that's a good idea. Should we do, like, three sets of ratings? No, it starts to get crazy, but... <laughs> yeah, okay. I think this is... Yeah, so my hypothetical children would not be watching Steel. Um, and I think a two is a solid rating. It's not... wildly offensive in the way Ladybugs is, Um, but it is, like, vaguely offensive in, like, the self-policing tones. And again, if if we have any... It fits the messaging of the 90s crime bill in a way that we've discussed is, like, not preferable in this day and age. Right. But again, like, if we have any, any listeners who, like, utilize a wheelchair or, like, any other, like, non-able-bodied listeners who, like, want to weigh in, want to sit through this movie, first of all, (laughs) Right. And then want to weigh in on the way, like, Shaq treats Barbara Gordon throughout this movie. We'd be interested in hearing your thoughts. Because we are two able-bodied people and don't want to, like, speak for that yeah. whole community. Exactly. That scene, to me personally, was disturbing. But who knows? Right. I mean, like, every 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 moment read as a sort of... As we've repeated, everything read as a self-starter, bootstrapper... Yeah sort of tale. Yeah, like they were no just, matter who it was. Like, John Henry as hammering into the, the, the fucking <laughs> railroad spikes. Yes. That point was driven home a ton. Yeah. Well, yeah, so again, I'm giving this a two as an adult and a three as a child. Not a great movie, um, but it was watchable. Like, I, I watched it, and I, I got through it. Yeah. Unlike Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> Her Super Mario Brothers is my babysitter's club. Oh, int- really? I think that movie was the least... The way that, like, weird dystopia... Whatever, however, like... Dystopia? You, dystopia. Like, the way you said, like, weird, like, 80s aesthetic, oh. 90s aesthetic dystopia is not for you. Yeah. I mean, Babysitter's Club is so not geared towards me that yeah. it's crazy. I'm sorry, I thought you were calling Babysitter's Club a dystopia. Oh. <laughs> Well, that's food for thought, but I'm not going to say anything about that. Okay. Um, guys, this has been it's been an extra long episode talking about uh, Steel, starring Shaquille O'Neal. Thank you so much for joining us on our Let's Redefine It, our deluxe, super-packed, <laughs> extra bonus content episode. Woo! Episode plus. Yes! Um, so, we, I know we promised Beauty and the Beast. Neither of us has... Go fuck yourself. We'll, we'll watch what we want to watch. And we should stop saying that we're going to watch anything. That's so true. Like, I'm going to stop promising that we're watching things. If 
the things that I announce via Twitter that we're going to watch are definitely more reliable than the things that I say on this podcast in front of the microphone. Um, <laughs> basically, what happened was that neither I or Matt got out to see Beauty and the Beast. and um, That was intentional on my part. Listen. <laughs> so. <laughs> we're not going to get better. We're not going to do a better job. <laughs> we're not clear what movies we're going to watch at any given moment. But we are going to try to watch Rookie of the Year. <laughs> Rookie of the Year is a movie that is considered for watching. We're, and I'm a Cubs fan, and we're going to try real hard. Yeah. We're going to try. Um, so join us, won't you, each week. Did you just steal that from... From, um... I know. You must remember this? Yes, but come on. No one knows. <laughs> Join us, won't you? For the kids' table. Wait, no, but where can we find you? Like, Matt, tell us about your shit. It's too long. Come on, let's just... No! Give us... Tricks, comic, uh, 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 tr- tr- com. Okay, thank you. And you can find me on Twitter at Kendra James underscore um, and read my shit on like Cosmo and stuff. But yes, so thanks for joining us and look to Twitter. Oh, yes, you can find us on Twitter at Kids Table Pod or you should email questions, comments, or corrections to kidstablepod at gmail.com. This is becoming really painful for Matt. So I will let him bid us adieu. Later, guys. Thanks. Next one's going to be trim and tight.